Welcome back to the Indirect Vision Podcast. Today we are interviewing Dr. Tyler Fix. Dr. Fix got his DMD from Midwestern Arizona in 2017. He served as the class president for four years and as an ASDA leader at chapter, district, and national levels. He works in a private practice in Bend, Oregon, and he still loves getting involved and giving back. He's a part-time faculty member at Oregon State University, and he's enrolled in the City of Bend's Leadership Development Program. He's also a council member to Oregon's New Dentist Council and a chairman of professional development for Midwestern Alumni Council. He's interested in dental education, deciding, um, helping students decide whether or not to specialize, and dental leadership. Three of his hobbies are running, um, skiing, and tennis. Tyler, how are you doing today? It's good to have you here. I'm doing really well. How are you guys? Great. And Andrew is our co-host here. Andrew? Hey, Kyle. Hey, Tyler. How's it going? Good. I am doing well. Cooped up in the house, but good. <laughs> well, we are all just trying to stay sane, I guess, with this quarantine, but we will make it through this. Um, so we like to start off our, our episodes with just two brief questions, um, Tyler. So just real briefly, uh, why did you choose dentistry as a career? And specifically, why did you choose Midwestern as the school of choice for your education? Yeah, so I always was interested in healthcare, um, And it was kind of a toss up for me between med or dental. Um, and as I shadowed dentistry, I just saw you're a lot more hands-on without the requirement of, let's say, doing years extra of residency after med school. You get to be active with your hands, working with patients, doing little surgeries, and um, it felt very personal, too. And uh, you build longer relationships, I think, in dentistry, and so that all appealed to me. Uh, And how or why did I choose Midwestern? Um, Long story short, or the simplest one, the only school I got a yes to. <laughs> and uh, I, it was the best thing that happened to me, though. Um, I did the master's program there before I came there for dental school. And um, I can't imagine having gone to school in any other place. I had the best time. I learned so much and met the best people on the way. That is awesome. Um, that's actually why I chose the Midwestern, too. It was the only one that I got into. So that's cool that we have that in common and that it worked out for you so it'll work out for more of us like that oh yeah it was meant to be yeah so um you were the class president for four years uh could you talk to us a little bit about your roles and responsibilities and how serving in asda uh, helped you to become a better dentist yeah i think um it teaches you number one just to communicate better Um, which is a skill you have to carry through dentistry and in life forever. Um, And so the sooner you become comfortable being a leader, talking in front of groups, helping make decisions, uh, lead meetings, um, you're better for it. And so I just threw myself into student government when I first started at Midwestern uh, Dental School. And uh, I, I really enjoyed it. I had no experience. And so anyone who wanted to be a leader, but is afraid to pull the trigger, just jump in. I encourage you to do it that way. Um, But yeah, it just gets you, I think, confident in yourself and your skills and um, 
the next best thing that came from uh, being a leader on campus was just being able to get to know your classmates and older and younger classmates and uh, really trying to create an environment that makes everyone successful, comfortable, um, and feel like there's true camaraderie. I think that was my major goal, not to necessarily change policies or throw big fundraisers, but just to make sure that everyone felt like they were united, um, kind of like a class family. And yeah, that was always at the forefront of my mind. What are some of the events that you had for your class that were especially successful? Yeah, so when we first started, um, there hadn't really been too much of a, a preschool, I guess, gathering when you're going into first year. Uh, and so a classmate of mine, uh, Alex Salas, or she's now married, Alex Burnham, um, she and I tried to just coordinate a week of activities for our class and to meet older classmen that are already there at the school um, just to connect ahead of time rather than show up at orientation or on the first day and feel like you know you know no faces at all uh, you make some friendships early on and uh, we kind of carried that through I think the rest of the four years we really tried to focus on always having social life balancing events for uh, classmates young and old and um, I think it worked really well for us. Yeah, well, I think that that week long of events that you were just talking about, I think that stuck because were those events at the very first week of school? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've heard that it's still going, which is awesome. <laughs> no, we we definitely still do that now, and I think that was one of the best weeks of dental school so far. So thank thanks so much for that. <laughs> no worries, it was a blast to even first do it. And I'm glad that it's kind of stuck. Um, so you're, you're also involved, you were also involved in the American Student Dental Association when you were in dental school. Is that correct? Yes, that was correct. And you were involved in both in the chapter district and national level. What is the difference between those three levels and how did your responsibilities differ between the different levels? Yeah. So at chapter level, that's you serving your school's chapter for ASDA. Um, so you have all sorts of team positions. I'm sure it's the same way still when I was in school, where there's a team of anywhere from 20 to 40 of you serving different roles in dentistry at your school. Um, the newsletter, uh, fundraising and membership in as, uh, you have your president, vice president. Um, and so I kind of tried to jump into as, by my second year and, uh, got in charge of membership at the time. Um, and so then you can always move up to district level. So district level, uh, as essentially encompasses most of the Western, dental school states except california which is own district which is its own district um and at the district level i was on the fundraising committee so you put on and get the funds for the big district 10 asda meeting every year uh, so that's where you have representatives from all of the d10 schools coming together and you pick a location usually at a state that you all fly to um, and then national level asda um, as you kind of get comfortable with and make connections, you can apply for those positions. And I served on the editorial board. I loved writing. I always have had a passion for it. And so um, I got 
to sit on the board for uh, the crew that now produces what's called Asda Contour. Um, so it used to be an entirely different name of a magazine. And the year that we served on the Ed board, uh, we rebranded everything and created what you get now in your mail, which is Contour. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I get that um, editorial and it's, it's really nice. So it's good work. Um, so would you recommend going to as many ASDA events as possible, having participated so much in ASDA? Yes, I think uh, they're fantastic. Number one, your networking um, gets a ton of practice. You're going to meet so many other students from different places across the country in different situations. You're going to hear how their school experiences, how yours is in comparison. Um, and those connections go a long way, a lot <laughs> a lot further than you would realize. Because by the time you're a fourth year and you've attended events or conferences or taken on ASDA leadership positions, you realize you have a lot of people that you can reach out to for help, uh, for ideas on specializing or not, or jobs or who knows who. Um, and that's super valuable. And so getting your your shoes wet or your feet wet, pardon me, <laughs> um, just getting out and networking with students, faculty, leaders, and ASDA um, is important. It's something that you're going to use for the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. So you mentioned um, networking and how maybe they can help you decide if you want to specialize or not, um, and just how far those relationships go. Um, you also mentioned earlier that you like to help students decide if they want to specialize or not. Um, so could you touch on that? Like if somebody came and was trying to decide if they wanted to specialize, uh, what would you say to them? Yeah, so if they wanted to figure out if they were going to specialize or not, um, I think it's an easy and a hard question for me to ask someone, but is it really in your heart? Um, I, for a long time, loved oral surgery. I really liked it as a specialty and I thought I wanted to do it. Um, I had in my mind that that was my track. Um, majorly though, because I thought that it's a really hard thing to achieve and get into and that um, it would mean more if that's the direction I went as if it was a trophy I had to earn or something like that. Um, and in hindsight, that's, that's the wrong thinking. I didn't really, really look to make sure that it's something that I could see myself doing for the rest of my life. I got wrapped up in the achievements that it takes to, I guess, get there. And uh, when I started an oral surgery intern year, um, that's when it humbled me a little bit. And the work is amazing that oral surgery does, but I found myself uh, not feeling the same way about it as I thought I would. Um, like I kind of missed the boat on it and realized that I had been going after it probably for the wrong reasons. Um, and so I would tell anyone that wants to specialize, just make sure you're doing it for, for the love of it and not because you think you have to try to specialize because it's the most successful or grade driven thing to do. Um, because I think that can happen a lot and you have to be okay with saying, you know, no, or leaving something that doesn't feel like you. Um, it was terrifying to quit the oral surgery intern year in the middle of it and figure out what I was going to do from there. But um, I'm super thankful I did um, just because it gave me good perspective on, you know, 
where you find your passions lie. And I just wanted to help other students figure that out for themselves if they ever need someone to talk to. Hey, thanks. Thanks a lot for sharing that, Tyler. Um, that's really helpful for people thinking about specializing. What um, you had an internship in oral surgery. Would you recommend um, students doing internships if they're thinking about specializing? Because a lot of us are, we're first year dental students, and a lot of us like the idea of specializing, but frankly, we we simply don't have much experience, so we don't really know what we like. Um, so do you recommend doing those internships? And if so, how do you even do them? Yeah, so you're, you're absolutely right. I feel like you have an idea of what you want to do, but it's hard to figure out if you really love ortho or endo or oral surgery or whatever it may be. Um, so during your time in school, usually by the time you're in clinic is when you could have the chance to travel to different programs. So you'll shadow at different programs and pay visits for a couple days to a week long, sometimes two, and you just see what life is like as a, as a resident in that specialty. Um, you can also always spend as much extra time as you can in Midwestern's clinic in the specialty department that you're most interested in and just really, really pick their brains about you know, what does it take? What's your lifestyle like? Um, did you have regrets? What do you love about the specialty? What do you still not love maybe about the specialty? Um, would you do it again if you had the choice? Um, ask all the hard questions of the professors there and when you travel out too. Um, if you're going to apply for specialty, they look anyway for you to spend time in the field. So those travels that you're going to take out of state to other universities or hospitals, um, are super important for your application and just your experience in general. Um, when you find yourself removed from the comfort of Midwestern and you're in, let's say, a hospital setting on the East Coast or um, any other location, uh, really look at it and say, am I enjoying this? Am I pumped up about this? Or do I feel uncomfortable or stressed? Or is this not what I thought it would be? Um, so I would say for now in your first two years, just Focus on learning and keep thinking about what interests you uh, right now, at least didactically. And then as you get into clinic, get ready to travel and just experience the specialties for yourself. Yeah, that is so true. And I totally agree with that. With any decision that's big and life-changing, such as a career choice, um, it's very, very important to cover all your bases and get all the facts and just, you know, do your due diligence and make sure that you're making a good choice for yourself. So thanks for talking about all those things. Yeah. So similar to the decision whether or not to specialize, I would say is also, do I want to teach? You know, I know a lot of our classmates are probably thinking about if they want to be a professor somewhere, if they want to contribute to dental education. Um and we really don't hear much about it in schools, at least so far. So could you talk a little bit about what your experience was um, moving into teaching and what drew you to it and just how you got into it? Yeah, I, I definitely loved doing little even teaching opportunities while I was at Midwestern, for starters. Um, I was a Basie tutor for two or three years. And um where there was an opportunity, I would love to guest speak as a student too, giving little lectures. I did uh, 
the fellowship through ADEA, the American Dental Education Association, that they host at Midwestern, and it's a thesis-type project, and you get experience in looking at what life is like as a dental educator, and you give lectures you're required to. And so it, it forces you at the front of the front of the stage and see how you enjoy teaching. Um, so I enjoyed those experiences a lot. Um, even before that, I used to teach for Kaplan for the DAT. And so I felt very comfortable in the front of a classroom um, and found it enjoyable to help others learn. Um, and the IDEA program really made made it up in my mind, I guess, that eventually I would definitely get into education. Um, so by the time I figured out what I was doing here in Oregon and found myself in a private practice here and, and settled in, um, I reached out and just simply asked if there was a need for a dental or a healthcare professional presence at uh, the OSU Cascades campus here in, in Bend, Oregon. And they said, yeah. And so I got put on as uh, kind of a part-time faculty member to serve as a, as a guide or a mentor for pre-professional students. Um, so giving advice on how to study, how to learn or teach yourself, uh, take the GRE, MCAT, DAT for medical school, dental school, PT, and all that. Um, so I would say if you're ever interested in education, um, Midwestern gives you more than enough opportunities to figure out where you're passionate about things. And so they'll give you the chance to, to teach or learn how to put a lecture together or talk to professors about why they got into teaching. And um, when you graduate, uh, just ask where you can help or get involved. There's almost any presence of community colleges in most towns. There's universities in a lot of big towns. And you need to just ask, how can I help? And uh, you get sucked into it. And I've absolutely loved it. Um, it's been a great thing for me here in Bend. Yeah, also, um, it's clear that you're highly involved with not only your community in Oregon, but also still with the community in Arizona as um, the chairman of the Professional Development Council. What is your role in that council and how do Midwestern, how do current Midwestern students access some of the resources that you guys have to offer? Yeah, so up until now, Midwestern has been growing its alumni base. It's a newer dental school. And so our alumni base is not as large as something like some of those East Coast Penn schools where they have years and years and years of grads at this point. And so they really put the alumni council together um, about a year or two ago and filled positions and um, had this goal of connecting our alumni a lot better um, as we get a larger base. And so um, one of our initiatives is to connect with current students at Midwestern and especially those graduating so that they can stay in touch with um, peers and events that are happening in Arizona with the university and around the country um, and professional development opportunities. And so I really enjoy my job in professional development. Um, ironically, alongside Alex Burnham again, we co-chair that. <laughs> and uh, we designed this year a CE program from the comfort of your home so you can get free CE through Midwestern uh, through what's called the virtual study clubs. And we're trying to host those quarterly, so four times a year. And students or graduated alumni can definitely sit in and listen to those or watch them. Um, Dr. Smith is very involved in those uh, 
getting done. And I know that he would be more than happy to facilitate an opportunity for you guys to see or be a part of those things. Um, but the virtual study clubs has professors or specialists and mostly actually current uh, graduates who present cases and topics and where they learned a lot of stuff from those things. So quite often there's a, uh, a failure or a negative or a challenge that they encountered. And we just want to share that in a safe space. Um, because I think sometimes in those online groups, you see people presenting cases that look so perfect. And it's like, how the heck did they do that or, or get to that point of perfection? And so our virtual study club is designed to really have an open door policy, um, zero judgment for presenting where you struggle um, or asking questions about those things. That's awesome. And are there any other resources or um, just things at Midwestern that, because you've talked a lot about leadership development and just preparing for the future, um, and you've mentioned some of these resources like the Professional Development Council, but other than that, are there any resources at Midwestern that are maybe underutilized or maybe a resource that you wish you would have taken advantage of more as a student that um, current students can go for, go to, to um, develop their leadership skills? Hmm. That's a good question. Um, I know student clubs and everything are always getting developed. So what school looked like for me a couple of years ago now probably is a little different. Um, but I think one thing that I wish I would have taken advantage of is uh, even business experience courses or clubs at Midwestern that they offer. Um, you may think that it's important while you're in school and then you get out of school and you realize business was really important <laughs> and uh, you, you know, pay attention to those classes and get involved in clubs or extra talks that focus on business ownership and experiences um, because it's, it's just an enormity of practice each and every day. Um, and I personally don't think I tapped into that as much. Midwestern had the vision to bring that to life a lot more than old um, archaic programs across the country. I mean, usually business is not addressed, and now they're finally trying to address that stuff. Um, so I'm sure that's improving year by year by year. And I would tell everyone to take advantage of those opportunities because everyone needs business leadership, um, whether you're going to own a practice um, or not. It, it's good fundamental skill building. Yeah, that is really helpful. And I'm glad I'm hearing that now as a D1 so that I can start learning more about businesses and seeking out these opportunities. Um, I think for the remainder of the time, we want to transition into your transition from dental school to being a dentist, because that's a huge transition. So could you tell us a little bit about what that was like for you going from dental school to being a dentist in Bend, Oregon? Yeah. So I graduated uh, just a few short weeks after I walked the stage. I moved to Portland um, to be at OHSU for that oral surgery intern year for a bit and made that choice, of course, to segue out. And so immediately I was in Oregon for less than a year. I knew not a soul hardly there. Um, and I needed to find just a regular general dental job so I can 
get my experience back up and and find what I enjoy. And I had to choose, okay, am I going to run back to Arizona? What am I going to do? And um, I feel like when you're uncomfortable is when you can grow the most. And so I tried to stay in Oregon. I looked at a couple jobs in Portland, found one in Bend that resonated the most with me. And as far as environment goes, I was looking for something um, smaller, personal, um, not too busy, but uh, private practice fee for service. And that all fell into my lap um, at a nice time. And so I got that job in Bend and uh, ran with it. Um, And it was still uncomfortable for a while. because then you fast forward, I was a couple months in the hospital there at Portland. I didn't drill a tooth for a long time, did not do a root canal for a long time. And I got to get back into uh, private practice mode and the expectation is very high there. And so it's uncomfortable. And I think sometimes you question your confidence and your uh, doctorness. Um, but you have to always remember that, uh, you got that degree for a reason. You got chosen to go through the program for a reason and, uh, just don't let your confidence waver too much. There's a lot of uncomfortable moments when you first graduate. Um, you may be in a job that you hate after six months and you know, that's okay. Sometimes that happens and you're going to figure out how to move on from that. Um, but you know, being uncomfortable is not a bad thing. I think it teaches you a lot about who you are, what you're looking for, and what makes you happier the next the next chapter of your life. Mm-hmm. Totally. So a lot of um, our classmates, particularly the D4s, are going to be graduating soon. And it's no doubt an interesting time for them to be graduating. So um, what would you tell them? Like, what would you encourage them to look for uh, at this time in their job search? Yeah. So I, one tough part is that we're in the, the beginnings of what's uh, the economic wave of COVID. And so I'm curious to see how many uh, private practices make it through a time like this, depending on the size of town that you're interested in. Um, So Bend, Oregon is a town of about a hundred thousand people. Just to give you some reference, Um, I think we have a few of the DSO offices here, maybe one or two of them, but it's mostly private practice. And um, so let's just say for an example, you were interested in a place like Bend, Oregon. Um, Right now, things look a lot different than they will a couple months from now. So what I would tell you to do is if you're looking for a job, um, reach out, you know, even just out of the blue to practices in the town or city that you're most interested in. And um, they probably should have the time to email you right now (laughs) and just ask questions about their practice or about the town in general. Um, Because I think, you know, you have to figure out, do you want some speed experience and get procedures under your belt and join a DSO for a bit? Are you going to try to jump right into a private practice? Um, And so, you know, that's a hard question because I think the landscape of a lot of practices is going to change for a little while um, as we get through these next three months. Um, I think some practices will struggle for a bit. Others you learn uh, managed 
their practice really well. And I think that's what you can look for in a practice too. Ones that look like they're going to reopen and survive. Obviously, there's a lot of business learning um, to go with that. So if you work in that place, um, they're doing something right to survive a time like this. Um, but I think that's a really tough question just because I, I never imagined dentistry would take this surprise hit. And so um, as, as different as it is for this class uh, to be graduating in 2020 and looking for a job, um, I think you still need to stay the course and, you know, do your due diligence, reach out to practices, just ask questions. Um, one thing that always surprised me while I was at least finally looking for a job when I left OHSU was the practices that I emailed that didn't have jobs even listed, but I asked, Hey, I love where you are. Your practice looks like it offers a lot of different skill sets. It caters to the patient base. I'm looking to help, um, you'd be surprised at the people that say, well, I've been thinking about an associate for the past six months or a year now, let's talk. Um, and so there are a lot of organic relationships you can make. So I would tell you, don't get discouraged if you don't see as many job listings or if you don't have a job locked down yet, uh, just reach out to people um, and see what their landscape looks like over the next couple months. Yeah, that that's... Um... Yeah, this whole coronavirus thing is totally unprecedented. And I'm just curious, how has it specifically affected you and your private practice? Are you guys closed down or are you open for only emergencies? How, how has it impacted you? Right. So we are only open for emergencies right now. And that, that really goes at this point across the country. Um, so hygiene is totally shut down. And so to be honest, most offices have laid off their entire hygiene department, at least for now. Um, and most of the assistant team as well. Um, everyone has probably one or two, one or two front desk people um, answering phone calls and uh, filtering through emergencies to see what qualifies um, to come through the door at this time. But yeah, uh, Dental practices in general have just slowed down to uh, 10 miles an hour at this point where you're you know, going to manage a couple people a week. Um, and so it's, it's uh, very different because I think you get paid usually on production uh, wherever you get a job or maybe you have a guarantee for a set amount of time. And so when your hands aren't moving, um, you aren't making money, let's say, to payback loans or other payments that you have. And so we're just into the first couple weeks of all of this. And so right now, um, I've been busy enough, you know, a time or two a day going in to do some emergency care um, that it's kept me working a little bit, but we'll see how long that, that actually continues for. I'm not sure if that's people you know, getting nervous about something they've had pain for with for a long time and they have no idea when they're going to get in the next three months. And so they're all calling now <laughs> or if that's a emergency pool is going to dry up after a month goes by. Yeah, well, it's definitely affecting everyone. And, you know, we wish you the best and we know that we're all just going to get through it together. Um, we, we have gone over a lot of things and we wish we had more time to keep going into the details of this, but we're going to ask our last question now. 
um, that we sure. like to end all of our episodes with. <clears throat> and that is, um, if you could give yourself just one piece of advice, both as a first-year dental student and then for you as a first-year dentist looking back. So you got two time points that that you're looking at. What what would you tell yourself in those two times? Hmm. Um, advice to my first year dental school self, I would probably say, trust that you'll learn what you need to. Um, it feels like some things are irrelevant at the time. It feels like you're learning so much. How will I ever digest it and use it in the real world? Um, but kind of trust the process. It's there for a reason. Um, number two, trust how much you're going to grow as a human too. Um, your first year dental school self is going to be totally different. I promise you from your fourth year dental school self, I think you're going to grow a lot as a person um, and a leader and someone who's going to take care of others for a living. Um, looking back and you know, giving advice to my fourth year self going into my first year of practice, um, I touched on this a little bit, but I would say trust that you're worthy of carrying the doctor title. I think it's easy to get stressed or, you know, question that about yourself. Um, there are patients that'll challenge you. There are staff members that can challenge you, bosses that'll challenge you. Um, but you are worthy of being a doctor. You did the work. You're bright. Um, you're good with people and you're going to be fine. Um, and also I would tell you know, my first year graduate self to keep an open mind to career courses. Um, I learned that the hard way, or maybe not the hard way is the right word, but um, the circuitous way. And uh, just always have an open mind to how your career is going to move and change. And uh, maybe you found your forever home in an office right away. Um, maybe that's not your forever home and that's okay. And you're going to figure out the next place you go uh, what you're looking for, for it to maybe be that. Mm -hmm. Great advice. Thank you so much. Um, all right. Well, thank you, Tyler and Andrew, for being on the show today. Um, stay healthy. And also thank you to all of our listeners. Um, we've really appreciated you uh, on the show. And join us next time for another episode of the Indirect Vision Podcast.